From the UC Berkeley Art Museum and Pacific Film Archive, this is Off the Shelves, highlighting some of the rare treasures of BAMPFA's Film Library and Study Center. Through the project, Saving Film Exhibition History, digitizing recordings of guest speakers at the Pacific Film Archive, 1976-1986, BAMPFA is digitizing a decade's worth of guest speaker recordings, filmmaker presentations, panel discussions, and Q&As from the early years of the Pacific Film Archive, making them available online for the first time. The project is supported by a Recordings at Risk grant from the Council on Library and Information Resources. The grant program is made possible by funding from the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. Here's David Lynch, live in person, introducing Eraserhead in March of 1978. It's the first time I've done this, so go easy on me. <laughs> Any questions? You have no questions about this film. It's all very clear. <laughs> Let's just wrap it up and go home. <laughs> yes. I'm really curious how you got the American film that you like that, which is totally unusual. I'm curious about that, too. I don't know how, how it came out. I, I made a uh, short film with their independent filmmakers grant program before I made this film. And on the strength of that, I was accepted at their center in Beverly Hills. And I worked on a feature script for the first year I was there, and that uh, got other people got involved, and it got wrecked. And so I started working on this, and they left me alone, and uh, they really didn't know exactly what I was up to. I think. Tell me more about the construction of the monster. Yeah, I can't tell you about that. I haven't I haven't told anybody. So uh -huh. I'm sorry. Yeah. About the construction of the monster. Of the baby. It's a parent, an old family secret recipe. Right. Can't be told. <laughs> Any reactions? Do you want to know? Pardon? The reactions? Sure. So, so good or what? Still kind of shocked. Yeah. No. Maybe we should have had these talks about a couple of days after that. What? What uh, brought you about making a film like that? Well, I don't know. Uh, I just uh, started getting these ideas, and they, they formed themselves together into this, this film. And this is, what, this is what came out. What kind of ideas were you thinking? Well, I, I don't know how you all get ideas, but I got them in little little pieces of ideas came floating in, and they formed together into larger chunks, and pretty soon a storyline would come about, and uh, I started writing the film and making it. Total cost of the film? So I can't tell you that either. Oh. <laughs> Only the monster knows. Yes. <laughs> yeah? Uh, had you done just a few films as like a student before this? Yeah. Well, their independent filmmakers grant program. This is, uh, I made short films before this. Yeah. I'm, I'm really impressed on how crafty you are in this film. Thank you very much. You know, like most student films aren't as well put together as this. I assume this is your first sort of like feature length? This is my first feature, right. Well, it's just really superb piece of filmmaking. I'm not so sure. It's not the kind of film that I really enjoy, but I mean, it's just right. superb. I understand that. Thank you very much. And I was wondering, uh, 
Did you have trouble with, uh, I mean, why did you choose black and white? I mean, I can sort of see that. I mean, like, you know, like to me, it's a, at the end, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely, for me, a film that should be in black and white. Yeah. The yeah. mood, uh, I, I love black and white. I love the mood that you get. And uh, removed, once more removed from reality, uh, which this film, you know, needs. What kinds of films do you uh, enjoy watching? I mean, what kinds of filmmakers do you study, for instance? Well, I, I, I don't, I didn't go to too many movies, and I didn't, I don't see that many films. I like the normal, the normal films that most everybody likes. Not any kind of weird films. I, I don't see too many films. Did you see Night of the Living Dead? I never, I never seen that. But people have, you know, they, that always comes up, <coughs> and other films come up with this. How, how long did it take you to get this all together? About five years. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, we ran out of money, and, and yeah. it took a lot of time to uh, build things. And what kind of press reaction do you get on this sort of thing? Uh, there's not been a whole lot of press re reaction. Uh, I'm up here right now. There's, there's going to be some articles out in some of the papers in the area. but. Um, the film is relatively new out in, in the you know the world, and it's been playing in New York since October, and it's just opened here in Berkeley about three weeks ago. It's been playing in San Francisco for about 16 weeks, and it's playing down in LA. It starts off very very slow, and then builds, and so far it's been building everywhere except DC. It fell off there, and they they canceled out. It looks that, like that, and, I, and in this film, it's really good because it needs uh, the, the over-time uh, exposure. Uh, the regular run would have, would have killed it, for sure. So the midnight slot uh, saves, you know, saves me in films like this. I, I feel real good about the film. You know, it's, we worked for five years to get it to be this way, and this is the way I wanted it. And I've, it's been about two years since it was finished for me. And I'm working on another project now, so but I feel real good about this. What, what's your project about? I can't tell you about that. I'm just writing it, and uh, it's you, just the are beginning. Are you employed by the CIA? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, shooting script and how long actual shooting? Um, uh, we were shooting for a full year, about a, a full year altogether, and. Uh, there was a shooting, there was a, a script, and then I storyboarded, you know, everything as we went along, and then we worked like that. There was a lot of uh, control, and we all, you know, worked real closely together, and, and a lot of times we had to shoot things uh, at least twice to get it right. We had a lot of lab trouble, we had a lot of camera trouble, we had a lot of money problems, things like that. Yeah? Could you maybe talk about your certain concerns about the film? Concerns about it? Yeah, like you try to bring out in the film. I mean, like, well, ideas you have, like this feeling. The mood of the film, right here. The, the mood you mean in the film? Yeah, or, right. Well, I'm really interested in mood and, and sound and visual working together to get a feeling of, of mystery and uh, a feeling of openness where you can sort of zoom out uh, to uh, areas that you don't normally go out into. And. I like uh, I like the strange you know little areas uh, that Eraserhead Country you know sort of is, and, and developing another another world. There's rules you know, even though it's a strange place. There's rules that you go by you know, and you you have to obey all these rules the moment you start. But everything has to feel right and make sense, even though it's so strange. 
So I really tried hard to the humor a certain way so they could go from humor to frightening or scary or strange. And in, uh, in the bed scene with uh, uh, Nance and the voluptuous neighbor, mm -hmm. neighboring lady, were they supposed to be uh, uh, descending into a cup of milk? Or white fluid, yeah. White fluid. Mm -hmm. How did I go about writing it? I mean, did you? It's real hard you're going to see to write something like this. There's very little dialogue, and it's uh, people, in other words, it wasn't a real long script. People would think I was uh, sort of crazy or something, you know, to, to say it was a feature-length film, or, or they wouldn't understand uh, how, you know, it was going to work out. It was mostly visual, and I couldn't describe the sounds and things like that, so it was difficult. That's why. For me, the American Film Institute really worked out well because I would have had a whole lot of trouble raising money on the outside for this. Now, if this film, even if it didn't do anything more right now, it would help me get another project going in the same vein. At least they'd know they could see this one and, and judge what the next one would be. How was it difficult to write uh, something that didn't need words necessarily, like writing, I guess, imagine writing the visual. Uh, how would you go about you know, expressing it? You, you can't. It's, a, it's sound and picture are, you know, they, to translate into words, you're going to miss a lot, you know. Right. And uh, so it missed a lot. You know, if you read the script, after seeing the movie, you might see see the things. But before, you would never see what, you know, the, the film is. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. How, how would you write your ideas down by the visual sequence? You know, it's, it's not easy. I mean, it's, yeah. you just have to describe it as best you can and hope that uh, you paint a picture in someone else's mind that will closely match it. Yeah. Uh, three questions, actually. One, uh, actors, do you go more for uh, uh, mood or something like that in, in the actor, or do you uh, place them plastically and try to uh, shoot them that way? Um, I don't quite understand. Well, you, you asked them more to uh, get into a Oh, I, yeah. Um, you talk, we talk about mood, yeah, for sure, and uh, and feelings. And for Henry, we worked things out so that every single he was the kind of actor that he would go through things, uh, and when he got it a certain way, he'd go through every single time and know every little teeny move. You know, that was, that was the kind of way we did it. However, it took whatever it took to to generate a certain expression or a certain movement. Uh, that's what we try to do, you know, so that he would understand it way inside and when it come out, just, just that way. And then he got it down and, and uh, was able to do it over and over again. Uh, let me ask you about uh, uh, the, the uh, characterization of Nance as a racer head, and then there was that scene in the basement when that was an actual pencil machine, or was that similar? No, I just, uh, I, I just built that. Okay. Um, uh, and and what does uh, the the idea of eraser head, and even going to the to the, uh, the the manifestation of actual pencils? What does that sim well, symbolize Henry, or embody? He's uh, real confused, you know, and uh, he's got a lot of troubles. And so this is uh, a, a dream that he came up with, you know, in his confused state. Yeah. So it doesn't it. Well, I was just wondering whether that, that uh, the eraser part means that of, of loss of loss of memory, loss of self, or whether it's just 
the, the rubberness of it. That's a very good interpretation. That's, you know, that's real good. <laughs> okay. Do you know your sound man very I, well? Oh, yeah, he's one of my best friends. Yeah, because it we, seemed like the, you know, it was tight all the way through. Yeah, we worked together for uh, a couple of months on the sound, and I worked with him before in my film I made before this. Yeah. His name is Alan Splett, and he's a, a fantastic technician, and uh, we really had a lot of fun. What have I been doing? I mean, how did you evolve? Well, I went to art school and wanted to be a painter. And then I slowly got into film through animation. And the film I made before this was a short film called The Grandmother. It's part animation, part, part live action. And this has, you know, very little animation, as you can see. Um, so that's, I, I got in through painting. To school? Um, Corcoran School of Art and the Boston Museum School and the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. I, I never graduated from any of them, but I went. Any more? Yeah? The actors that you used in the film, um, how did you um, go about finding these people? Well, some were recommended and then uh, they recommended other people, and it was uh, pretty amazing in a way because I didn't uh, have to cast around, you know, too much. Uh, Henry was one of the first people I, I saw, and uh, the rest, you know, came that way, and it just worked out. What I was didn't the, cast a lot of people. Right? What was the Sissy SpaceX contribution? Um, she uh, put in some money. She's my sister-in-law, and. Uh, her, my wife's brother is her husband, and they put in some money into the film. David, um, I've talked to the film, would you describe the first film in a film, the whole thing like it was? The first film I made? Well, it's uh, from painting. I was, I was telling you, um, I built a, a three-dimensional sculptured screen. The screen was basically flat, about six feet square with three three-dimensional heads that came out, out of it. And then the film had faces that overlapped, and they went over and over and over again. Uh, three film faces which overlapped the three-dimensional faces, and then three more faces that were just film. And uh, it distorted and, and gave life to these, uh, these faces. But it had to go to, you know, together. But that uh, wasn't really a film more than it was a, you know, a painting. Was it in color or black and white? That was in color. Where, where is the piece now? Long gone. Well, actually, the, the screen I sold and the, the movie I've got somewhere, but it only worked together. The, uh, the screen, I didn't realize about uh, film that much. I, um, in the film, I filmed it. I animated it on a board, on a, about a six-foot square board that sat on a radiator and it had a wall behind it. And so in the film, the radiator's there and the, and the wall is there. So I had to hang the screen and, and let that part fall, you know, back behind the stage. But so if you looked at it now, you'd see uh, it would look sort of crazy. Are there other people's work uh, that you sort of uh, feel similar concerns or sort of identify with in any way? Uh, that I, there's other people's work that I like. I don't, uh, 
know that, that I have that many influences. I've got more influences through painting, I think, than than uh, through film. Like who? Like um, Francis Bacon and uh, Kindholtz and Edward Hopper and I guess those are the main main ones. The tone of the movie reminded me an awful lot of the feeling I got when I was a kid and saw Frankenstein and Dracula and all uh -huh. this real tense and dark. Uh -huh. And I was just wondering if you really admired those films yourself. I I I think I I mean, I've seen Frankenstein. I never. I don't think I've seen it uh, in a, a real good print in a theater. But um, I, there might have been some influence, you know, from that. But I, I don't. I don't think so. How do you feel the difference between working this way and the way you had worked in your first film using the models uh, in terms of? I hear what art is. Yeah, well, it's it's a lot easier to be alone in your studio, you know, painting away, than to open yourself up to working with lots of people and and equipment and money and all kinds of things that you have to work with in film. But the rewards are so much greater in film. That working with sound and picture, both and movement and time and all that and a story, and the possibilities are just uh, tremendous. And especially this business between sound and, and picture. I think that sound is really getting more and more and more important, and it's going to it's going to be really fantastic what we're going to see, you know, in the future with uh, feelings from two things working together, two senses really, really working together, It'd be really great. So I, I really I think artistically, film is is way more exciting than painting, for sure. Well, uh, it was over at the, uh, I guess people liked it at this Deauville Film Festival in France, and then it just won a, uh, this Golden Antenna Award and a Special Jury Award at uh, Cinema Fantastique, the Boreas Film Festival over in France. Like, has anybody talked to you who, who, the, who you would respect who's given you, like, a comment on the film, or like, his friends or something? Um, yeah, I've gotten good feedback. Uh, People, I think, respect you know the work, whether they really like sitting through it or not, or see problems in it. Still, the overall feeling is they think it's a, a good, a good film. Was it hard for the actors to deal with that, or to like work with that? The uh, what? To work with what? The, What's that? <laughs> the film, just to like deal with what you were doing. Yeah, they uh, they got pretty involved though with everything and. Uh, Although they didn't see the, the, the total the total thing, they really got into it, and uh, we had a lot of fun. Henry would uh, go around in his bathrobe, and they had a little pair of slippers, and uh, we'd order pizza in, and uh, he'd go out and get it and stuff. Right. So it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Does he have that pained expression all the time? No. shot it, um, there's a, the American Film Institute has this uh, mansion down in, it's called Greystone, that Doheny, the oil millionaire used to have, and uh, in Beverly Hills. And the whole film, most of it was shot in the stable area of that mansion in Beverly Hills. Stable? Yeah, there was, 
four stables and attics, hay lofts, big rooms and uh, bedrooms, uh, car garages and a greenhouse and gardening rooms and stuff like that. It was quite a complex. I had about seven rooms in an attic to build sets and, and they, they let me alone down there. We had to work at night. And Why would you have to work at night? Because uh, there, there were park department people around during the day and it was too noisy. <laughs> so we locked it. We, we were actually locked in the grounds, these 18 acres, uh, every night. And we had a key to the, one of the gates, but we didn't really go out that much. Do you teach there? No, 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 no. I was a, a student there and when I started the film. Then I ran out of money and, and sort of had to find money on the outside. And they continued to help me with equipment, but that was it. Well, I'm trying to uh, get together another another project. Like I say, I'm writing it, but I haven't made any money on this film yet. I was delivering the Wall Street Journal uh, part of the time I was working on this film. I'd we'd be shooting, I'd have to leave and shoot my route, and then come <laughs> back and shoot some more. No, the, dis the distribution company uh, puts out so much money to get things rolling, make more prints, and to advertise and, and stuff like that. Even though this company is uh, not putting out that much money, they have to make that money back before I get my percentage. And then once I get my percentage, I owe some people money uh, that I have to pay before I get any of that. It seems that the Roxy, like a lot of people go to see it. Yeah, it's doing it's doing okay. I I, I wish it didn't have to slotted into a midnight uh, uh, hour, uh -huh. I, I feel because it, it's a really interesting film and I think it deserves a particular hour where you have well, better um, concentration. Gary uh, Myers owns the uh, UC Berkeley Theater and they're going to run it um, at least you know one one night at a regular time uh, next the next calendar's uh, time. Yeah? Have you seen the preview they're running for? Frankly, it's repellent. I mean, it really is. It oh, it is, huh? Yeah. What? What is it? What it is wouldn't it? inspire anybody to go anywhere for anything, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's part of the problem, I think. Is a trailer really for is. this film going? Yeah, on? I've seen the trailer at the Wait, UA, oh, and yeah. uh, they insist on running it twice, no less. But it's really, you know, if you're paying a distribution company, uh, yeah, you're not getting much for your money. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I've never the film, seen that. You know, it's a totally different thing. I, you know, I go to a midnight show for this, but. Uh, uh huh. We better check that out. We better check that out. Yeah. We told them they don't want to spend any money. The distributor doesn't want to spend any money. You're in Los Angeles, though. Yeah. So you don't want to say anything about your next film. <laughs> no, I don't. It's going to be as powerful and make me feel as trapped. I don't think so. This is, uh, this is, um, this one and the next one will be different and, and probably uh, appeal to more more people and, and I don't know it'll be strange but not like this one is musical comedy <laughs> that might be some music in it. I feel about your film uh, it, it by chance it be broadcast on television on air instead well, of projected on the screen I think it would um, well the sound would suffer and the picture would suffer you know and if they broke it up with ads, it would really, really suffer. It has to be uh, a dark theater and, and have good sound to really get into the, into the movement, you know. Right. And 
So it would be really bad. Right. I don't think they would run it on TV anyway right now. But, but it, it, you would get some financial support. I mean, they, they pay quite a bit. Actually. Yeah. The film I ever made before this that was run on television one time. So you would rather not? Yeah, I, I'd say I probably wouldn't. Want, but I mean, if the money was good, I, I'd probably sell out and do it. Where else is it playing right now? New York, New Orleans, two places, I think, in Texas, Los Angeles, uh, Berkeley, and San Francisco. And they've got just recently gotten interest for other areas. I don't know if they've, I haven't talked to them. Uh, I think they're making some deals for some more cities. Um, there's a real lot of interest in France and England, but uh, they haven't made any deals yet because they want to have it get stronger here before they, they deal with, with Europe. But the festival over there generated a lot of interest in it, so they're, I think that some people want it. But How would they translate Eraserhead in French, I wonder? Uh, I'm not, I don't know how to speak uh, French, but it's uh, tête de facer or something like that. <laughs> tête de gomme. Yeah. Well, then, thank you all for coming. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming down. Thank you.